Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, November the 3rd, 2023. It is currently 4 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Sometimes I turn on this microphone. I put forth what I think to be a very important idea. All right, someone, okay, uh, we, we've been having some technical problems, at least on one platform, and someone on Spreaker just said, Georgia here. Well, thank you. You're, you're on, on the other platform, you do not show up on the map, but there, I, got, I at least I know Spreaker is working, so thank you very much. But as I was saying, sometimes I turn on this microphone. And I put forth what I think is a very important theological hypothesis, a, a theological theory that I think will start a, hopefully a good conversation. Sometimes I will turn on this microphone and put forth an idea that I think is very important because I think there is an issue within Christianity. And I'm like, this is a problem. This has been, it is. And I think this is going to be where it's going in the future. Once again, hoping to spark a very important conversation. But I'm very aware, very aware that there are times where I think it's important. I think it's fascinating. I think it's the most significant thing in the last 50 years. And obviously, the listeners may not feel that way because there's always a difference in perspective, right? The the person speaking versus the people listening. Sometimes those two perspectives do not quite match up, right? Someone may be going, hey guys, this is where everything is going in the future. And the people in the pew are like, no, I don't think that. I don't know. We're not going that direction. Or someone uh, behind the microphone or standing in the pulpit's like, this is a major problem in the church. And the people in the pew might, no, don't think it's a problem. In fact, I agree with it. So it's not a problem. So sometimes that happens. When it does, then you are kind of immediately left with a choice. Do you continue to double down and repeat it and, and try to get to convince people that, no, this is something you need to be thinking about? Or do you just go, well, maybe, maybe we just forget about it for now and we move on. And then maybe later we come back to it or maybe we find a new way to, to put forth this idea in a different, in, uh, in a different sermon or in a different teaching. And, and then maybe slowly but surely people will catch on. You have to make that choice. And well, I typically, I, I can't, I, I'm not very good at just letting it go and just trying to slide it in somewhere else, well, somewhere else in a different message, kind of in a more, you know, subtle way. I tend to be just very like, hey guys, I'm talking about this and I'm going to keep talking about it until you realize how important it is. I tend to be more direct, like a, you know, I tend to just be like right there because what I'm thinking is typically what you hear on uh, this program. So I'm going to kind of double down because the other day we did a broadcast about hope, right? That was the first concept, hope. And then the second concept was already and not yet. 
already and not yet. Now, I think I did a decent job connecting the concept of hope with already and not yet. I think I did a pretty good job connecting them. For this broadcast, I'm just going to lay aside the concept of hope for a few minutes, maybe for this entire broadcast. And I'm just going to really, really double down on this idea of already and not yet. And here's kind of my hypothesis. I believe in much of the evangelical church across the United States of America, possibly the church you go to, possibly even within people in my own congregation, there is a tendency that what I think are promises that are not yet ours, we have not yet experienced them, the church comes along and says, forget the not yet, it's already, it's right here, it's right now, we have it. And I think that's a problem. And I think sometimes... What we do have already is not, it's not true practically, it's true positionally. I think that's already not yet. There are things that people are, future promises that people are grabbing onto and claiming we have right now. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. In the charismatic world, it is very, very, very common to say within, within the atonement, By his stripes, we are healed. That in Christ's suffering on the cross, we are guaranteed, we are promised healing already, right now. It is yours. It is God's will for you to be healed. It's that promise of healing. It's already, it's yours. Just reach out and claim it. And I will argue that whatever healing is promised in the atonement is not yet. It is for the future when we receive new bodies, well, there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, and no more death. I believe that's a not yet promise. They believe it's an already promise. There's a good example of already not yet. They're taking what's not yet and claiming that it's already. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not yet. We can't claim that now. The promise has been given. You can say by his stripes, we are healed. And that deals with physical illness. And I will tell you, it's not yet. The the time is coming. They would disagree. They would say it's already. All right. Uh, right. Basically, if you can name it, you can claim it kind of concept. Right. That's a, that's that's very true in how many people approach this within the evangelical world. It's not name it and claim it. They just claim that it's, it's ours. Here's another example. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. The evangelical world, the church you go to, will claim that that promise is an already promise. That is true right now of you. If you are in Christ, you're a new creature. The old thing has passed away. Everything is new. And they believe that's an already promise. And it's it's true practically. Now, I think that that is a not yet promise, that we're not yet fully a new creature with old is gone and all is new, because if we just know we're not. We still have a sinful, a sinful nature. We're, we're, not, we're not completely a new creature. We still have a sinful nature. So I believe it's a not yet. Now, the way I believe it's an already promise is positionally. So you have the already not yet and the positional and practical concepts And within the evangelical world, there seems to be a lot of struggle with positional and practical and already and not yet. So if you were to ask me, you're a new creature in Christ. Is that an already promise or a not yet? Well, ultimately, it's not yet because clearly I'm not a new creature. The old is not gone. Not everything has become new because I still have a sinful nature and I still sin. However, I would tell you it's an already promise as far as my position in Christ. I am a new creature in Christ. Positionally, the old is gone and I'm holy and perfect. You've got to understand these categories. Now, you may not think it's that significant. 
You may not think it's that big a deal. Here's my argument. If we don't get this down right, you create a situation where people are assuming they have certain things that they do not have, and they may be able to deceive themselves. They may be able to live within an illusion for a period of time, but sooner or later, the illusion begins to collapse and all the pieces begin to fall apart and the people will then become discouraged, disillusioned, and what I believe will happen, they will deconstruct. And maybe de-church and start claiming that Christianity is not true because they've been told you already have that. This is true of you right now. And they're going to look around going, are you out of your mind? Are you, are you so confused? It's not the case. So I'm really putting forth this idea. Now I am borrowing from an article uh, from a magazine called The Word Among Us because the November cover is Already and not yet. That's, that's the cover and the, uh, the editorial, the, the first story in this issue of this magazine is about already and not yet. I just, I just took some of the basic concepts and we kind of started talking about it, but I'm going to go back to the original article and really try to build on this and, and maybe throughout November, we're going to return to this over and over. Maybe I've just kind of stumbled upon this concept. Uh, We've been talking about positional and practical a lot on this broadcast, really throughout 2023. I feel like part of 2022. And as we are going to end 2023, maybe we can talk about positional and practical along with the idea of already and not yet. And remember, I gave you some homework to do to figure out the things in the Bible that you can go, that's an already promise. I have it. And that's clearly a not yet promise, or that's an already promise positionally, but not practically. However, you would like to break it down. But I'm going to go back to the article and add some more things to consider. And we will see. Now, this, this magazine, obviously, I don't agree with all of its theology by any means, by any means, but I do love the fact that they started off this way. So here is the, like the main article for this month. All right, here we go. When it comes to faith in Jesus, we live in an unusual in-between of the already and the not yet. And I think every Christian needs to embrace that reality. We live in an in-between. It's an unusual in-between with the already and not yet. We I, Listen, I think as a Christian, you have to begin to grasp the reality, this unusual in-between of your position and the practical reality of your life. Positionally, you're one thing that practically you're not even close to, and you never will be. That kind of weird dichotomy and almost duplicity can be maddening sometimes as Christians. And I don't know if we do a good enough job embracing this unusual in-between. Many of God's promises have already been fulfilled in a very real sense. Please note, in a very real sense. But we do not yet experience their fulfillment completely. So they can be in a very real sense. And I think that very real sense is positionally, but we have not experienced them completely, which I believe means experiential or practically, which will happen in the future. You've got to be able to draw this distinction. 
as Paul wrote, we see indistinctly as in a mirror. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. We don't see everything exactly clearly right now. Why? Because, well, we're still in the flesh. We still have a mind that is not infinite, but is very finite. We are not omniscient at all. Okay. We're not omnipotent. We're not omniscient. We're not omnipresent. We're none of those things. We're very finite and limited. And we have, there's foolishness and lack of knowledge and lack of understanding. That's a reality. We may be a saint positionally. We may be holy perfect and righteous positionally, but practically we are sinners. We are not holy. We are not righteous, but Christians want to take, no, we're holy and we do this and we do this and do this and claim that we are those things already in the present. And it's like, you're out of your mind. You're delusional. And then remember the article quoted this verse. They quoted first John three, two. We are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. See, there is coming a day we will be like him, but it is not now. It is not now. We may strive to be like him, but come on. To be like him means to be perfect to be holy, to be righteous, to love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, to love your neighbor yourself is to love your enemy. Now, I know, I know the person who emailed me, I know you're going to come back and say, you speak this weak, pathetic Christianity. No, now that you're a Christian, you can do this. It's it's inevitable. You will love God. And, and they, they say, they make it sound like it's an already promise. But if you think it's an already promise, then what are we waiting for in the future? You're basically speaking like we're in a glorified state now, but we're not. This article goes on to say, I think that we're pretty good at understanding the not yet part. The kingdom of God is not yet fully victorious in a world marked by war, divisions, and sufferings. Everyone should be able to say amen to that. We're not yet as holy as the Lord desires. Everybody should be able to say amen to that. We don't yet experience complete unity, love, and forgiveness in our families. We should be able to say amen to that. I know I'm not yet where God wants me to be. Well, that's true of you. That's true of me. Jesus Jesus says, be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. You're not that. I'm not that. Never will be. But however, there is a part where I am that already and positionally. I'm not that yet practically, but I will be. Now, we did not talk about this last time. What is yours now? That's the not yet part, but we need to believe just as strongly in the already part. The scriptures are full of promises that have already been fulfilled. Now they're going to name some of them. Whether you agree, whether you put this in the already or the not yet camp, you can talk to me and you can tell me and you can work on this. Remember, I, I really, I tried to place this into your hands for you to do a lot of this work and to really struggle with this theological. And again, I, I, I constantly say, and I think a lot of, and I, I am going to take a minute to say this. A lot of listeners seem to not understand the word hypotheses, right? They don't seem to understand that word. In fact, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Okay. I'm going to look up the word hypotheses Hi and hypotheses. Are you ready? 
is a supposition or proposed explanation made on the basis of limited evidence as a starting point for further investigation. Let me say this again. And a hypothesis is a supposition or proposed explanation made on the basis of limited evidence as a starting point for further investigation. I constantly use that word. In fact, I probably so overuse that word that it drives many of you crazy. Here's another theological hypothesis. Here's my hypothesis. I'm going to put forth this as a hypothesis, and then we're going to challenge it. We're going to test it. And we're going to work through it. A lot of you don't hear that. I will literally in a broadcast say, here's my hypothesis based on this, 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 and I will give you all my reasons. But people will just come in. You are basically, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. How dare you say that? I'm like, did you not hear the hypotheses part? Are you ready? Are you here to engage the hypotheses? Are you just here to tell me that I need to read Romans or I need to read, like, I know those scriptures you're giving me. Show me and work with me through the hypotheses. So I'm putting forth this hypothesis that I think the American church has created a situation where there are promises the already and the not yet promises. And many of the not yet Christians are grabbing, claiming they're already here and they're not here positionally. They're here practically, which I then creates a situation where over time, if anyone's reasonable, honest, and fair with themselves, they're going to become discouraged, disillusioned, disappointed, depressed, possibly start deconstructing, and then they start de-churching. And they're going to think Christianity doesn't work. And you can threaten them, John Piper, that if they walk away from the church, they walk away from Christ and they're not saved. You can try to tell them they're going to go to hell because they don't go to church. But the problem is maybe we look and go, what is driving them away? I think it's the over the politicizing of American Christianity. And I think that we constantly oversell and we tell them that they have these things now that they don't actually have in a practical way. So they're going to list some things here. For example, they say we've already died and risen with Christ in baptism. Now they quote Romans chapter six, verses one through six. So I'm just going to grab, I've got multiple Bibles here. I'm just going to grab this one. Romans chapter six. Now reading this requires a lot of work. Uh, uh, Normally, typically, but uh, I, I don't have time to get into all of it right now, but let's at least read it because it brings up a lot of issues about baptism that create that, that Christianity has been divided over for 2,000 years. But let's just read a little bit of this. All right, here we go. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Okay, it says we're dead to sin. Now, let me ask you, are you dead to sin? Is that an already or a not yet? Well, I'm not yet dead to sin in a practical way because if I was dead to sin practically, then guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I could stop sinning. So when it says that I'm dead to sin, it may be an already, but it's already positionally. Positionally, I'm dead to sin. Practically, if you don't think you're, if you think you're dead to sin practically, then the next thing, you don't need to email me and argue with me. You just show everyone how dead you are to sin by never committing a sin. It's funny that sometimes the people are like, no, we can do this and that. They always want to argue it. Don't argue it. Just show it. 
Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ we raise up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we all should also walk in newness of life. Now, let me stop right here. It says, many of you were baptized into Jesus, were baptized into his death. Now, when we, when we, we now I know some will say baptism does this. I disagree. I believe baptism pictures this, but let me make it very clear. When it says we are baptized into his death, did you die literally? Did you die physically? Clearly you did not. This is not talking about a physical, literal, practical death. This is talking about a spiritual death. Spiritually in Christ, I died, I was buried, and then I was resurrected all spiritually speaking, all positionally speaking. In Christ, I am dead. The old me is dead and a new person has been risen to walk in newness of life. All positionally, practically The old me is very much alive. And if you deny the existence of your old you, well, all I would say is one, let me talk to your kids. You you don't be around. Just let me talk to your kids, right? It's funny how Christian parents put forth all the, how holy and godly they are. All you got to do is teach a kid's Sunday school class in church. All you got to do. Those kids start telling you everything their mom and dad said, the things the mom and dad did, and they're like, "Whoa, that's not the image they put forward, right?" And and if you and if you think, let me just see, I don't know, let's let's have a video uh, of your life for like about I don't know two weeks. Oh, and let us know everything going on inside your mind and in your heart. Yeah, you, I, I can, I'll see very quickly. You're very much alive. And it says verse, uh, then it goes on to verse five. This is Romans six. So we've read verses one through four. Verse five, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in his likeness of, uh, in his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Yes, we are crucified positionally. Yes, that positional being crucified guarantees that the body of sin will be destroyed, but that's not yet. That's in glorification. Now, we should try to live out practically what is true positionally. Positionally, I've been crucified, I'm dead. So then practically, I'm supposed to try to reckon and consider myself dead, even though I know that that I'm not completely dead. I'm trying to live out practically what is true positionally, and it will never look anywhere close to true. Uh, close to perfect. So there's where you have a little bit of the already and a little bit of the not yet all put together. All right. The Holy Spirit already dwells in us. Okay. We can agree with that. That's an already promise. By faith, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We can already conquer overwhelmingly through him who loved us. Now they have Romans 8.37. Romans 8.37. Let's look at that one. Romans 8, 37, we read these words. Nay, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, how, in which way? Now, are we more than conquerors already practically? Are we already more than conquerors positionally? Is it an already, not yet? Is it positional? Is it practical? See how all of these have to be identified. 
Um, it doesn't stop there. For example, the Father has already made us sit with him in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And in faith, you and I have even ascended with Christ to the right hand of God the Father. So are we already seated with Christ in heavenly places? Is that already our promise? Well, it's already, right? Already positionally, I'm with Christ. I'm seated at the right hand with Christ. I'm already seated in heavenly places positionally. But in another way, it's not yet because I will not truly be there until I have died, glorified body, or there's, the you know, we can get into rapture. We can get into all of that. But until the point that I've received a glorified body, I'm not yet there. But in a, a positionally, I'm already there. There's the already, not yet, positional and practical. Now, this magazine says this month, we will look at three of these already promises. So here's the ones we get. First, we will reflect on the truth that God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavens. And they point to Ephesians 2.6. Ephesians 2.6. Ephesians 2.6. Ephesians 2.6, where we read these words. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now that's already. In Christ already. I'm seated there already. But there's a not yet part. I'm already there positionally. Clearly, I'm not there practically. So there's the not yet that's practical. The already, already, I, I, I will argue that almost of the time, the already are positional realities. The already is almost always positionally. The practical is almost always a not yet. That, that's just, there's an example, Ephesians 2, 6. You're not already seated in Christ practically. That is true positionally. They go on to say, this can seem nearly impossible when our lives feel so firmly planted in this world, but this is what God's word tells us. Then there will, then we will consider what it means that we are citizens of heaven with all the rights belonging to members of God's kingdom. And I think they're looking at Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We are citizens of heaven. Not, not maybe already, but there's a not yet part. I may be, in a sense, a citizen there, right? I'm members of God's kingdom, but more so positionally, practically, I'm still very much on this earth. And then we will, they're going to ponder, we have access to the throne of God where we can worship alongside countless angels. They put at Hebrews 12, 22, Hebrews 12, 22. Let's look at this one. But ye are but ye are come unto Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Now, do they believe that to be true? Is that an already and a not yet? I don't know about Hebrews 12:22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Is that true now? Is that a not, is that a, is that a already positionally, but a not yet practically, or is that all a not yet? You can look at Hebrews 12, 22, and you can, you can look at that and see what you think. So let me go through those again. Ephesians 2, 6, Ephesians 2, 19, and Hebrews 12, 22. 
in this magazine, they're going to look at those three things over the month and see how those appear, uh, apply to the already and not yet. You can add those to those list of things you're already supposed to be working on. Already. That's how God sees things. Even when you feel weak, you already have a special place in heaven as a child of God. You're already precious to the Lord right now. Our lives are so abundantly blessed. I can't imagine what they will be like when the not yet comes to pass. And we finally see Jesus face to face. The already and the not yet. We have to understand it. And we have to put with the already and the not yet, the positional and the practical. We've got to become better at articulating this so that young Christians, even older Christians, don't walk around even trying to either pretend to be something that they're not, pretending they have something that they don't, and and they try and try to pretend until the reality comes crashing in and then they're left and broken in pieces, disillusioned, discouraged, despondent, depressed, deconstructing and dechurching. We got to help them see, no, 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 no. That is a positional promise. And yes, already that is true. And we do need to hold on to what is already true. Already I am perfect, holy, righteous, forgiven in Christ, seated in the right hand of the Father. I'm seated in heavenly places. That is all already. You can just make a list of all the already things true. But most of the time, the already are all positional realities. The not yet, not yet. I'm guess what? Whatever those promises are, there's a whole bunch of things that I'm not yet. Practically, I'm not yet holy, righteous, perfect. I'm already not in heaven. I'm already, I can go on and on and on and on and on and on. There's a lot of things I'm not yet, but the, most of the not yet's refer to my practical reality. We have to understand the significance of this. Now I'm putting it forth as a, as a, theological hypotheses, that this creates major disillusionment, disillusionment, discouragement, despondency, and depression among many professing believers. Because they're being told that, no, you already are that. You already have that. You already can do that. And they're like, yes. And then they're like, well, wait a minute. I don't do it. And I mess up, mess up, mess up. Well, then, well, then we come along and say, you're not saved. Or maybe you're confusing a not yet reality to an already promise. Maybe you're confusing positional versus practical. I want you to give that serious thought starting today and this weekend, and maybe we'll be talking about this more over the next couple of months. I don't know. We will see. Already, not yet. Positional, practical. Love to get your thoughts. News. IF at yahoo.com. That's news. IF at yahoo.com. News. IF at yahoo.com. Thanks to the listener from Georgia to let me know that, hey, you're listening and everything is working. That's good. Um, we have contacted the other platform to see if we can get some of those analytics fixed because those analytics tell still tells me no one has listened to basically anything I've done since the beginning of November. They haven't listened to any live broadcast. They haven't downloaded an episode. They haven't streamed an episode. I know that's not accurate. So hopefully we'll get that fixed. But ultimately, whether someone's listening or not listening, what I have to be more concerned with is, well, these very important theological concepts of already not yet, positional and practical. You know what I should do when I get frustrated by what I see in this world and I get discouraged and I get down and I get frustrated? Faith 
sees those realities. They see those already positional realities. They see the reality of what's not yet. And we can grab on and have a hope that does not disappoint, that does not let us down, a hope that is firm certainty that what is already positionally will be one day 100% true practically. And we rejoice in what we already have and what is not yet because it will happen because of what Christ has done. Hopefully, that can help you and help me do better in our day-to-day frustrations and discouragements. Because sometimes, I don't do very good in focusing on those things. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great weekend. God bless.